0: We you will, go ahead and grab your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, we'll keep moving through here, slowly but surely. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4, uh, we're going to read 25 through 27, so if you're willing and able, stand with us as we read this, uh, the word from the Lord um, through the Apostle Paul. starting in 25 therefore having put away falsehood let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be angry and do not sin do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil let's pray father we're thankful for your word lord we're thankful for your spirit We're thankful that we are able to worship you in spirit and in truth, Lord. We're thankful that you've given us every reason to worship you. And Lord, it's been good this morning, Lord. I pray that you would fill us, continue to fill us with your spirit. Give us eyes and ears to hear what you'd have to say to us this morning, including myself, as we look into anger and what you have said to us through the Apostle Paul uh, by Holy Spirit. Lord, let us be able to put this deeply into our soul Or let us know you better, let us understand your character better, let us understand what you've called us to take off and what to put on um, in our lives better this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. So just to uh, kind of pull it together from what we spoke on last week, what we preached on last week was forsaking falsehood. Um, You know, it's been an ongoing uh, not a joke, but it's been an ongoing thing all week every time we hear someone or something that sounds like falsehood, and we, we say we're forsaking that. We've been forsaking that. We learned that last week, so it's, it's something we need to carry on with us. It's very serious, and and we're lighthearted with it, but it is, it is something that we need to honestly take off. We talked about that last week, uh, forsaking falsehood, about lying. We talked about deception, manipulation. Uh, not only just manipulation in general but manipulation of emotions and playing the victim and uh, we had all kinds of things that we've uh, probably felt in our own lives uh, coming from our own lives at some point in time or that we've seen in others lives um, aimed towards us but uh, putting away lying putting away deception putting away hypocrisy and we talked about uh, wearing a mask and how so many times you'll add so many things you can't keep that up anymore and you'll see uh, either um, yourself in the mirror, how you were, uh, what you 've been hiding, what you 've been trying to be, uh, what other people have been trying to be by wearing a mask. So we talked about briefly integrity and what that actually is that 's what who, who you actually are when you are alone uh, when it 's no one but you and God that is who you wear, uh, who you really are that 's where you are really in your maturity level with god is who you are when there 's no one else around to uh, put up a front for or to impress. Um, that is where your baseline is. that's what your baseline integrity is is when it's just you and God. Uh, we also talked about being a projection, what we project to other people, what we want them to know the, uh, the best about us, and how that actually cuts us off from being genuinely loved, because when you have that image of yourself put over here to the side, everyone's loving and aiming their love towards that projection, and you're sitting there starving for love, and you're wondering, why does no one love me? Well I haven't given them my true self. I've been living in a falsehood. So Paul is saying, put away those those falsehoods and put on truth and speaking truth with one another. Uh, but today we want to talk about a different part that Paul is talking about through the Holy Spirit of, of putting off, and it's anger, talking about anger, uh, putting off sinful anger and cutting off the enemy and not letting allowing the enemy to use that in our life. Um, very simple message, but that is what Um, we have for today that's what Paul has given us and it's very important for us Uh, but how many of you have ever been angry in your life I've been angry before I think that that includes all of us so I guess the sermon is to us all this morning we've all been angry at some point in time so let's let's jump in there first point is it says be angry he actually is telling us to be angry be angry and not sin He's saying, be angry and do not sin. Let's read that. Verse 26, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Sometimes we get angry. I would almost dare to say at some point during your week, every week that you have, there's some point in time where you're angry or you're frustrated or um, something has caused you to be out of sorts in some sort of way. But most times we feel guilty for feeling angry. We feel guilty for being angry. Why why is that? Why do we feel guilty for being angry? Jesus got angry. Did Jesus sin? Jesus didn't sin, but Jesus got angry. So what's the difference? That's what we kind of want to get into today. What are some of the reasons that we get angry? Some of the the, the two the two directions that we do get angry sometimes we number one get angry with god for different reasons and uh if you've ever been how many of you've ever been at that point in time in your life you're frustrated with god or you're angry with god at some reason you don't know what it is or or we if we don't get angry at god we're getting angry at people and that's what i think we see more commonplace is that we get angry with people but what are some of those reasons that we get angry Typically, we get angry because we feel as if somehow we have been done wrong or because we are out of control in a situation. That's what typically, one of the reasons we get angry is because we don't feel like we're in control of what that is. And you'd say, man, I don't know if that's it. Well, you know, when someone does something wrong, you get angry because they're not doing what you want them to do generally. Um, Many times we get angry out of fear um, we may be afraid of something and it causes us to act out in anger. Um, fear of what exactly? What, what is it that we are, are fearful of when we are angry? Usually it's just the fear of the unknown, what we don't know. We're afraid of not knowing what's to come next. And so we get angry or we get frustrated. And because we don't know, then we feel out of control. And when we feel out of control, we get angry and we get frustrated and we don't know what to do. But the first part, we get angry at God. Why do some of us get angry with God? Why do we get angry with God? Most of the time, it's because He's not letting us in on what He's doing. We're like, what are you doing right now, God? Like, what are you doing? What is this for? Like, really, why are we going through this right now? And He doesn't tell you. And he's not doing it to pick on you. He's doing it because you don't need to know at the time. Because if you needed to know, you would know. He would let you know. But most of the time, it's because he's just not telling us what's happening in the moment. But like Lauren was saying earlier, you look back at your life, and you see all the things that have added up and how you've gotten to where you are. And you you know that he's good when you look back at those things. But we get so frustrated when we don't know what God's doing right now in the present moment. We get frustrated, we get angry at Him because He won't tell us. And when we don't know what He's doing, we become fearful because we cannot control the situation. We want to know. We, th- we feel like if we have all the information, we could control the situation a little better. If we just no- understand what all is going on. But you know what? That's a God-sized weight that we're not ever meant to carry. Uh, We're not big enough to carry that. We're not strong enough to carry all that information. It would would absolutely crush us is what it would do. Another reason we get angry at God is I think more commonplace is that he's just not moving fast enough for us. Anybody ever felt like that? Like God's just like, what are you doing? Like, why have you not done this yet? I've been praying for this over and over and over and you haven't done this yet. What are you waiting on? And he's sitting there like, I'm not worried. I'm not worried. I'm not worried about time. And he's not doing it to torture you, although it does feel torturous sometimes when you're waiting for God to answer a prayer. You're waiting for him to do something that you believe in your your best interest or that it is for your best interest. You're like, well, if this is a good thing, why are you not giving it to me now? Why Why, why don't you speed up a little bit? Like you're praying for God, hurry, hurry, do this, uh, do this thing. And he's like, just be patient, be patient, it's going to be okay. And you imagine he's looking at you like a little kid, you know, come on, when is it, when are we going to be there? Are we there yet? You know, the little kid in the car going on vacation, are we there yet? And when you just left like five minutes down the road, we hadn't even left Greenville. But you know, like, when, are we there yet? No, we're not there. Just be patient. It's going to be, we're going to get there and it's time. Uh, we're going at the speed that we're supposed to go at and we don't, We get frustrated with God because He's not moving at our pace. I'll remind you of this. He is never late. He's never late. If there's one thing you can remember about God that He's never late. He's never going to be premature. He's going to be just on time every time. He's not He's not forgotten you. He's not He's not listening to your prayers. He is listening to your prayers. He does know your situation. He's not being late. He's he's going to be on time. He's always on time. So how should we handle the situation when we're angry with God in this in this particular aspect? Well, how should we handle being angry with God? Well, first I think we need to to do this. I think this is very beneficial. I think it's probably the first thing we need to realize. Is that we need to realize our place. You know, when we get impatient and we start telling God what to do, then in essence, whether we realize it or not, we're saying we could do this better than you. Just give it to me. Hand it to me because I'll, I'll do it better. I'll do it at the right time because you're not doing it at the right time. You're not doing it the way I want you to do it. I could do this better. And none of us would say that in the middle of it. You're just kind of like, I just want you to hurry up, God. Well, that in essence that's what our that's what we're saying is hand it to me you don't know what you're doing and that's pretty heavy it's pretty heavy but that's the essence of what we're what we're doing when we say that we need to realize our place and this right here is going to blow your minds i know it's going to take you off guard and um probably wreck your whole day and wreck your whole week but it's this one truth here it's going to blow your minds So get ready, put your seatbelt on. We are not God. Are you shocked? Are you shocked? We're not God. We are not God. We are not in control, although we want to be, of every situation. We're not in control, nor will we ever be in control. How many of you know that whenever God allows you to be in control, things go south really fast? I see a lot of heads nodding. Yeah, I think we all know. Whenever He allows, He said, "You want to be in control? Go ahead, by all means, by every means necessary. Go ahead and give it a try. Go ahead and give it a try. You want to hold this? Okay, go ahead and carry it. And you're sitting there. Boom! I got, I got this. I got this. And then you just start crumbling. Every time, rolling down the hill, into the ditch. We are not in control. We are not God. And we will never be in control the way we want to be in every situation. And that's okay. That's what you have to tell yourself. I'm not in control. And, that, and that's okay. Because I'm not God. God. So what do we do with that? When, when, we, when we come to that realization, we realize that we're not God. I don't need to be in control, and I won't ever be in control. So what do I need to do from that, from that point on? Well, we need, to, we need to trust God. We need to trust Him. We need to trust Him that He knows what He's doing. We need to trust Him that He knows how to be God. We need to believe what He's said. Not believe in what He said, but believe Him when he's told us something about himself we believe that wholeheartedly we need to trust him believe what he has told us about his character that's how we trust god you know because sometimes people just say oh just trust him just trust him and you're like wow how do i trust him well get into the word get into scripture what has god said about himself what has he told us plainly about himself one thing that comes to my mind is what how he is described in Revelation. It says the one who sits there is faithful and true. Faithful and true. Don't let those words go in and out of your ears. He's faithful. You know, we think it's awesome when one of us is faithful to the other person, whether it's friendship or marriage or... Whatever it is, or family, as a, as a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, aunt, uncle, we think, oh, they're a faithful whatever that is. But they're not always faithful. We're not always faithful. We fall. We do. We make mistakes. Whenever God says He's faithful and true, He's faithful and true. He's never not faithful. He's never untrue. He has always those things. So we can trust Him because of that. Whenever you find yourself in a situation and you're frustrated, He's not moving fast enough. He's not moving fast enough for me. He's not controlling this situation the way I would control it. Be thankful for that. Because if you controlled it the way you wanted to, you wouldn't get the whole benefit of what He has for us. You just wouldn't. Because He has this thing set up for you and everything that He's working for you is working together for your good. And you have to believe that, that everything that God is working, he's working it together for your good. You believe it. You don't just hear that. You believe that. Whether you're in a terrible situation, everything seems to be going wrong, and you just don't know what's next, and you're at, you are out—you feel out of control, and you say, well, Lord, I'm not in control anyway. I'm just not in, I'm not in control. You are, but you said you're faithful, and you're true, and I believe that. There's one thing you need to realize too that there is nothing and I want you to remember this there is nothing nothing out of control with the Father. Although the world may seem chaotic there is nothing that is out of control with Him. Nothing. All things not some of the things all things or as young folks say all the things all the things come across His desk. And that brings thoughts to your mind like Everything, everything comes across as this. There's some bad things going on in this life. There are things that God actively causes to happen by His hand. Things that He causes to happen. And then there are things that He passively allows to happen, but it's still for your good. He's not actively causing sin to happen to you. He allows sin to happen. He doesn't tempt any man. He doesn't cause anyone to stumble but he will allow things to happen for your good. And that's how you trust him, that he's faithful and he's true. You have to trust in his character. But he'll actively cause things to happen. Sometimes he'll he'll passively allow things to happen. And then we get angry and frustrated because we can't see the whole picture. Just as Lauren was talking about this morning, it's another picture. Like when we get When we're with Him after this life, and we're with Him, and we look back, we'll see the whole painting. And we'll say, there were some rough spots, but without those rough spots, those sweet spots don't look as sweet. They just don't look as sweet. And we won't see that until the end. What else do we need to know about His character that you do not need to forget whenever you feel angry and frustrated with Him and we we realize that we're not God and we want to be angry at Him? You have to remember this, no matter what's going on, he's good. That's another thing you need to remember, he's good. He is never not good. Those are things you need to settle, let them settle into your heart. Let, Let them settle, don't keep them stirred up, let it settle down to the bottom of your heart, that it never move, that it be at the foundation of your heart that God is good. He is always good. There is no sin in him. When you want to get angry and frustrated with what he's doing and the way he's handling things, you have to realize there's no sin in him. There's no rebellion in him. He is good. He is doing all things for your good as, as, your, as his children. You should trust that. We need to trust that. We need to believe that, that he's good. So when you feel tempted to be angry at God, yeah, he wants your emotion. He wants everything that is you express that towards him but realize that we're not God and that he's good and then you you give up you give up in prayer and say Lord I don't know what you have to put me through but I'm going to trust that you're faithful that you're true that you're good and that it's going to work out for the best so we get angry with God and then we get angry with people how many of you have been angry with someone before in your entire life I've been angry with someone before yeah I've been angry with them. Most times, we get angry with people because they aren't doing what we want them to do. Can anybody relate to that? Anyone at all? Am I the only one that's this reprobation? Like I live this reprobate life. You know, we get mad. I'm gonna get mad at D. He's like, man, he he ain't cutting the grass like I want him to cut the grass. Man. I was like, man, you just get just, just give me the just give me the, the more. Just go sit down. You get mad because he's not doing it the way you want to do it. Although he's doing it, we get mad or frustrated because they're not doing it the way we do it because we think we're the best at it, but we're not really telling anybody that. And I I can only cut grass the way I want to cut grass. And Dee's not cut my grass, so it's not a real story. But anyway, Jessica won't let me cut the grass because you know she wants to get all her steps in. i want to get all her steps in because I get all mine in at work. So it's like, but anyway... We get angry with people when they're not doing what we want them to do. Well, when we want other people to do what we want them to do, what is that? We want control of them. We want the control. So when we don't have control, we get angry because they're not doing the the thing that we want them to do, even though that may not be the thing that they're supposed to do at the time. We get angry because of that. We feel like like our way is the best. And I think think that's kind of a, a sinful nature in everything that we find ourselves involved in is that we feel like we're the best at those things. you know? Even churches will do that as a whole. They'll think, well, we do things the best way and no one else is right at all. And so we, we fall into that. Other churches fall into that. And then we fall into that as individuals too. Well, well I do this type of ministry and I'm the best one at it and they should, they should all look like me when they're doing it. And that's just not true. Other times we get angry with people because we feel as though we deserve to be treated better we get offended like that we get offended because you know no one should treat me this way i deserve better than that how dare they treat me this way how dare they say this to me i mean don't they know who i am i mean that's the the really that's the feel that's the underlying feeling that's down in there that hasn't been dug out is like how dare they talk to me that way someone cusses you out like how dare they do that to me well why shouldn't they do that to you why shouldn't they do that to me you know that's the that's how flipped we are we feel as though we deserve to be treated better so how do we battle with this and are you going to hear me beat this drum for the rest of my life because i have to beat it in my own life as we need to pray for humility we need to pray for humility because when you've been in the presence of God and you understand who He is and you understand who you are, we deserve a lot worse than being cussed out we We deserve a lot worse than people not doing things the way we want them to do it why well, you you're you're at least doing it go ahead and get it done because um my way's not any better than yours. Whether we realize it or not, we don't deserve anything from anyone. We don't. We don't deserve anything from anyone. The only thing we really deserve is the wrath of God. That's the baseline. We deserve the wrath of God. And we need to keep that in our minds. Pray for humility. We are not righteous or good apart from Christ. We have nothing to give but sin. And um, for us to sit there and think, well, people should treat us a little better. Well, think about all the sins you've ever committed in your t- entire life against other people and against God. And and how dare we sit there and say, well, they should treat me better. They should treat me better. Well, I'm angry at them because they should treat me better. Well, that's hard. It is hard. Because we all still have a little bit of pride left in us. Or maybe it's a lot, a bit, and we just don't realize it. But pray for humility, Holy Spirit. Through Paul is telling us to be angry and sin not. Be angry and don't sin. So there is a way to do that. So what type of anger is not sinful? We've said we've made this whole case that man we get angry and man it's probably because I'm proud and man I'm I'm feeling beat up right now and like. So what type of anger is not sinful? We said earlier that Jesus was angry and he didn't sin. We know Jesus didn't sin. So what is it? What type of anger is not sinful? I think it comes down to what the intention of the heart is behind the anger that you have, the anger that you're expressing, and for what reason are you expressing this anger? Are you angry at injustice in a situation for someone else? Or are you mad because the way you perceive the situation is injustice for you and you're just angry at them because they're not treating you the way you want to be treated? Are you angry as if, uh, am I going to get angry because someone's mistreating Roger? Someone's mistreating, Roger. If Roger's getting cussed out, am I going to be angry that they're mistreating Roger? Now, is that sinful anger? That I'm angry at them mistreating my brother? No, I don't think so. I don't think that's right. I think that's, I'm angry at an injustice Something's not right. They shouldn't be doing that. He hasn't done anything wrong and they're just cussing him out. They're letting him have it. They're beating him up. Whatever the case may be. That anger that anger is coming from a place of love because I'm going to go over there and I'm going to stop it. Like, yeah, this is enough. You need to stop this. And if they're actually physically hurting him, I'm going to stop them from doing that. So that action, that, uh, the action of being anger is not a sinful anger. It's the intention of the heart. Are you angry at an injustice in a situation for someone else or is it about you? Are you angry for the desires of God? Whenever people think about Jesus in anger, they automatically go to the temple when Jesus flipped the tables and went in there and, you know, cleaned the house. Basically, he physically cleaned the house. Jesus was angry for what the people had turned his father's house into because he knew the truth of the matter was it was supposed to be a house of prayer and it wasn't. They had turned it into a place, a marketplace, where they were doing business. Instead of doing business with God, they were doing business with one another. And so that anger, that righteous anger came up inside of him. But what did Jesus do? What did he do? Did he fly off the handle and go in there and start wrecking the place? No. One of my favorite parts about that... It's very key to it is that he saw the situation and it says that he went off and he fashioned a whip. He went off and made a whip. He took time. It was measured out. Took the time to make a whip. Then he went back to the temple and he cleaned the house. Flipped over all the tables. And I don't think it was kind of like, you know, some of the movies show him where he's just kind of going, I'm angry. No, I think he was angry. He was flipping the tables. He was cleaning the house. Because if anyone has righteous anger and wrath, it's going to be Jesus, going to be God. I don't want that aimed at me. I don't want His righteous anger aimed at me. Jesus was angry with zeal because it was, it was, not, it was to be a house of prayer. It's supposed to be a place to talk to our Father, not to talk business. Then you have another situation, Mark 3, 5. I'll read that for you. This is Jesus getting angry at the crowd. It says, and he looked around at them with anger. Can you imagine seeing Jesus look at you with anger? It says, he says, he looked, he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand, and he stretched it out, and his hand was restored, they were all mad that he was healing at the wrong time or place, you know, they weren't, he wasn't doing what they wanted him to do, they weren't in control, he wasn't following their rules, they were angry at him, and then Jesus looks at him, <laughs> don't try me. This man needs healing. I'm going to heal him. He was angry for the benefit of that man. So, we are to be angry and do not sin is what Paul is telling us. Let your anger not be rooted in self-love. We we need to watch out that our anger not is something in defense of some preference that we may have. Let your anger be for others' situations to be restored to what is good and true. Let your anger be aimed towards folks that need things made right, that situations are not right, and let that anger be in, in that type of way. Be angry for the things that make the Lord angry. So number two, First number one, we're not supposed to be angry, but number two, be careful how you go to bed. It's kinda of lighthearted. Be careful how you go to bed. It says in twenty six, be angry and do not sin, do not let the sun go down on your anger. But so I said, Be careful how you go to bed. And it's not exactly, you know, the situation where, you know, you're walking through the dark and you stump your toe and then you get angry and then and then or you hit or knock your kneecap off the edge of the bed. Uh, not that I've ever done that in my life, <clears throat> I mean,, whew, yes, I have done that, and i man, when we first got that bed, let me tell you i I'd, I'd never been used to that thing. It's got like the little front posts on it I mean, our other beds didn't have front posts in the middle of the night, man, my knee has been in the floor so many times from hitting that bed post or stumping my toe on the edge of that thing. That will that is a test of faith when you stum your, stump your toe in the middle of the night in the darkness, and you don't know who did it It hurts. Mm. But it says he's basically telling us, be careful how you go to bed. It's not because of that. it's because of what that second word. He mentions in there. The first one he says, be angry and do not sin. Then it says, do not let the sun go down on your anger. That second anger is, do not let the sun go down on your wrath. There's a difference between being angry and having wrath. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. Wrath, all throughout scripture, has been... Look down upon it it has been marked as sin wrath is absolutely forbidden anger not so but a lot of times it's like poison that is used as a medicine has to be used with extreme caution sometimes your anger is needed in a situation but wrath is never needed it is always looked down on as sin in, in, the, in the Bible. And what does it mean by wrath? What do I mean when I say you have wrath? Another word for that is rage. You have rage. You, are, you have lost it. You have lost control of yourself. There's self-control is out the window that is flying all over you. You've lost it on this person, on this situation. You are out of control When Jesus was angry, it was not with rage. It was completely measured out and fit perfectly for the occasion. When Christ returns to deliver His wrath, it will also be measured out exactly as it should be. Not one ounce more, not one ounce less. It will be perfectly measured out as it should be. It will not be out of control. It will feel out of control because it will mess this whole place up. This whole earth. When he brings it. But it is perfectly met out. For what has been done in this body. It is his righteous judgment. So Paul is saying don't go to bed wrathful. Don't go to bed wrathful. Don't go to bed w- rage in your heart. How many of you know that whenever you go to bed. Or you, you spend days in a rage inside of your heart. That it does nothing but fester up. It starts to fester. It gets worse. And it starts, to, it starts out from this little thing and it just gets bigger and bigger until that's all you can see. He says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. You will wake up still wrathful and full of rage. That absolutely does not benefit you or the other person that you're angry against or that you're wrathful to. Rage and wrath leads to resentment and will cause a root of bitterness. And if you, any of you have ever had a root of bitterness, it is hard to let that loose. It's hard to dig that out. Once you've got bitterness and resentment towards someone, it's hard to dig it out. It just sticks with you. It's rooted down into your soul and you just can't get past it. You can't get over it. What I want to say is this. If you remember anything today is this. Don't allow resentment... To become rage. And don't allow your rage. To become what wrecks you. Because that will wreck you. It will have you in the ditch. For who knows how long. Don't allow resentment. To become rage. Don't allow your rage. To become what wrecks you. Keep it in its place. When you feel it bubbling up. And you want to get. You want to lose it. You want to have rage. Against someone. Or have anger for the wrong reasons. Keep it in its place. How do we do that? Humility. Humility. Correct view of yourself before God and man and repentance. Seeing your anger in truth and moving away from it quickly. Like we said last week, he said, putting away falsehood, laying it to the side, putting it away from you. Taking off that old man, putting on the new man. The old man would fly off the handle. You know, some people brag about their anger you know, I was talking to someone this past week, you know, they say, well, yeah, they call me this in the, in the streets because I, I blow up at people and I'm like, well, that's not something to brag about because most people in your life don't care enough about you. They'll just want to light you and watch you burn and they'll enjoy watching you burn. So that's not something that's beneficial to you or the people around you. Oh, there he goes again. And well, the people enjoy that. They take entertainment and watching someone go off the handle in rage Hey, watch this. We'll we'll get him going. Light that fire. And watch him blow up like a firecracker. That's not the person you want to be. That's not the person I want to be. We keep it in its place with humility and repentance. And number three, don't welcome the whispering. Don't welcome the whispering. Verse 27, Paul says, And give no opportunity to the devil. Why do you think he added that in there? Give no opportunity to the devil. He's talking about anger. And he says, even in the King James, it says, don't give place to the devil. Don't give place to him. What does that mean? That word opportunity there equals place, a place, any portion or space that is marked off. I would say this don't open up a parking space for the devil. You're in a parking lot and you're like, "Oh, I'm going to leave this little provision for him. He can have that parking space. That's good. I'll put his name on it and everything. He can have that. That's the vision I get when he's talking about a marked off place. Don't give opportunity to the devil. Don't give a place to him. Don't open up a parking space for him with his name on it in your life. Don't let your anger get to the place where you're going to give him a foothold. Living with resentment, built up anger and wrath and rage is like leaving a welcome mat at your heart's door for the enemy. You don't realize it at the time, but you're vulnerable at that moment. When you're off the handle and you're doing things in your flesh and all this stuff, he's like, hmm, sounds good to me. Let's go have a chat with them. Let's go have a chat. Stuart's losing it. He's going crazy. He's getting rageful at someone and and he's just... I don't care. I'm just I'm I'm going off in inside of me. He's like hmm. Welcome, Matt. He's like, I'm gonna come right up to his doorstep and I'm gonna start speaking to him. Giving opportunity to the devil is giving him a gift of power. A gift of power. You're saying here (laughs) by all means. Come on in. Misery loves company. Satan is angry all the time. Angry, wrathful, rageful against God. Oh, kindred spirit, let me go hang out with you. Let me talk to you for a while. It's giving him a gift of power, authority, and occasion to come to you. That word, opportunity, also means giving an occasion for Giving him a parking place, giving him a space with his name on it, giving him an occasion to come speak. I'm feeling some kind of way. You want to come talk? I need some company. I need someone to, you know, there's nothing better than when you're angry, finding someone else that is angry about the same thing, and you just go back and forth about it. It just feeds. You'll find people do that in politics. They'll do that with religion. They'll, I'm angry about this. And you just feed. And it Well, that's what's going to happen. What will the enemy do? He'll throw fuel on your already burning fire of resentment, anger, and rage. But he'll come as if he's being your friend, but he's sitting there pouring. He's like, yeah, keep talking. Yeah, you're mad about that? I'm mad about it too. And the whole time he's just pouring gasoline all around the fire. And you're like, yeah, yeah, I'm angry. I'm, I'm upset. They shouldn't be treating me that way. He's like, yeah, you're right. You know what? You, you deserve better than that. And he's just pouring gasoline all over the place. When that fire reaches it, it's gonna blow up. It's gonna blow up and you're gonna wonder why your life's on fire. Because the enemy's come. We've given him a, a place. He says, Give no place to the to the devil. Give no opportunity to him. Well, how do we do that? How? How does the how is the enemy pouring that gasoline? You're already holding resentment and have allowed a root of bitterness to take root. You're already having thoughts of anger. You're already having thoughts of frustration. You're already having thoughts of jealousy even. You're starting to attack the person. Well, they shouldn't even have this in life. They shouldn't have that in life. And he's just pouring that gas all over it. The enemy will begin to whisper ideas to you to fuel the anger, the rage, the resentment you're enjoying already. And I say enjoying because when you're angry about something that you're passionate about and you feel like it's been wrong, and even though it's directed in the wrong way, you're enjoying that anger. You're enjoying being inside of it. He'll just say, why don't you just give them the cold shoulder for a little while? Give them a cold shoulder for a little while. Don't don't say anything to them. That'll show them how mad you are. Do that. That'll be, that'll be fun. Give them the cold shoulder. When they come to speak to you, pretend that you don't hear them so it'll embarrass them. Yeah, get at them that way. Give them a little, a little jab, a little stick there. You deserve better than how they've treated you. You're somebody. You know what you're doing. They have no idea who they're dealing with, do they? They have no idea who they're fooling with. Those little whispers. Go ahead and do a little more. Go ahead and do a little more. Feed it. Fuel, 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 and you'll burn, and you'll burn, and you'll burn until your entire life is consumed with those people. That's how anger will destroy you. It will wreck you. It will have you so consumed with that one thing and that one person that you don't notice anything else in life. And you know what? The people who you have rage toward uh towards they're not even losing any sleep. They don't they don't care. If they've offended you, they're not losing sleep over the situation. You are. I am. I'm losing sleep over. I'm consumed with it. They're not consumed with it. You're consumed with it. so how do we cut off the enemy at the past how do we cut him off from pouring the gasoline on it how do we do that how do we not give opportunity to the devil by aiming our anger in the right direction it's not sinful to have anger we need to a- use that anger in a righteous way anger isn't sin it is an emotion that needs to be tethered to truth just like the rest of all of our emotions We said that either last week or the week before that, that your emotions, it was last week that your emotions need to be tethered to truth. And that truth comes from the word. We need to keep our anger in the correct category from loving God and from loving our neighbors as ourselves. If we love God, we will be angry with injustice from sinful actions to others. And if we love our neighbors as ourselves, we will be angry when, when those people we love are being treated wrongly. Not letting our anger turn into resentment. That's how we cut him off. Don't let your anger turn into resentment. And that resentment turning into bitterness. And that bitterness turning into wrath and rage. This may sound crazy, but you know what? Blowing up and getting out of control has never solved an issue. Has it ever solved an issue with you? I don't I don't. I think it's ever solved an issue with me. Blowing up at someone and going off on them has never solved the issue. It may make them be quiet, but it's not helping your relationship. It's not helping restore the relationship it's not solving anything we aren't going to war with people i want you to remember that we're not going to war with people we're going to war for people that's what we should be doing the enemy wants you the enemy wants them and the enemy wants us to be at each other's throats so let's take care to understand the schemes of the enemy don't let him play you Sitting there building you up. Pumping you up over a situation while he's pouring the gasoline all over it. Hyping you up. I want to read some of these passages in, in closing. James 1.20 For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You being angry over a situation or wrathful over a situation is not working the righteousness of God. 1 Peter 2, 22-23, I love this response because it shows you exactly how Jesus handled situations when he was done wrong. It says, he committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to the one who judges justly. When you're being done wrong, if you can just stop for a second and say, Lord, you need to take care of this. Because if I take care of it, that's all I'm going to get. I would rather you take care of it and it be done perfectly. I've prayed that so many times. Because, you know, we as pastors, we get angry. We get the same temptation as you do. But you have to, we have to look at Jesus' response. He kept entrusting himself himself to the one who judges justly. I would rather him judge the situation than me. If I take care of it, that's all I'm going to get. I would rather him deal with it perfectly. And then our passage here. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let let each one of us speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath. And give no opportunity to the devil. Don't give him any hints. Don't give him any hints at all. So, in conclusion, here, what do I want to say to us all here? I want us to keep our eyes on Jesus, not other people, not the situation, not your surroundings. I want your eyes on him. And you'll have the right kind of anger. You won't be wrathful towards people. You won't go out of control because you keep your eyes on Him. Lord, I need you to take care of this situation. Show me what to do. I don't want to handle this wrongly. I don't want to fly off the handle with these people. I don't want to fly off the handle with you anymore. I know some people get angry with God. I don't want to fly off the handle with you anymore. Show me what I need to do. Keeping your eyes on Him, talking with Him in prayer, reading and studying His Word. And that brings humility and trust of his character. And if we're walking in humility and love, our anger will stay righteous. It will stay in its place. And we won't give the enemy any footholds. We won't give him any occasion. We won't leave him with a parking place with his name on it. Don't give him any opportunities. Let's pray. Father, we, we love you, and Lord, we want to be like you. We want to have anger like you that is in the correct way, is for the right things. Lord, I pray that you would work that into our hearts. Lord, we know some folks are further down the road. Lord, you've given each of us a different measure of grace, but Lord, we all want to be like you. So Lord, teach us to be just like you teach us to walk the way you walk teach us to speak the way you would have us speak teach us to have the temperament that you have at the right times at the right moments for the right purposes lord take the anger that we have that is a genuine emotion and use it for your glory in the right ways lord be with us this week lord let us worship you in this song lord let us enjoy this the meal afterward